This podcast is brought to you by the film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn with an incredible ensemble that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra is a funny and endearing story about Max, a divorced father struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When faced with difficult decisions about the future, they embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Deadline calls Ezra a touching testament to the power of love. In theaters May 31st. Pampers Cruisers 360 is the must-have diaper to help keep your baby from taking it right off, which, if you've experienced this, can lead to complete chaos. With its 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your baby for a comfortable fit, your active baby can move freely. Think of it as baby yoga pants. Cruisers 360 offers a gap-free fit and has a blowout barrier at the back of the diaper to help stop any unwanted disasters. The best part? That stretchy waistband makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby, who is always on the move and can't be stopped. Just rip the sides to remove and roll it up with the disposal tape on the back. Voila! Pampers Cruisers are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. Pair with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, made from 100% plant-based cloth that grips the mess without fear of tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of four, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of three, practicing physician, and blogger on the side. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. This is episode 124, first airing December 17th, 2019. Today, we're going to have a great interview with Christy Higgins-Wilcox, who's a lawyer, and her mother, Karen Higgins, uh, a pediatrician who is one of the first women in her medical school and definitely one of the first doctors in her town who is building a practice while building a family as a mom. So we're very excited to hear from them and about what Christy learned about life and parenting from having a pioneering working mom. In the meantime, the holidays are coming up. Uh, Sarah, what's what's it looking like for you this this year? Uh, a lot of work. <laughs> um, so as, as I've discussed, Josh is fairly new to his position. So taking one for the team this year apparently involved um, signing up to work both the weekends, flanking Christmas, and then also working New Year's. So Honestly, I'm kind of gearing up for a lot of solo parenting. I am going to give a gift to myself and try to arrange some childcare for part of that so that I have a little bit of relaxation time. But there's also going to be some fun, um, just kid time. We're not traveling. I think we're both on travel bans. 
<laughs> as we have discussed. Not really, just that we're trying to wait till Genevieve gets a little bit easier and felt like this might be a nice break to take a break from traveling. It is our best weather season in the winter, so sometimes it also makes more sense to save our big escapes for the summer months. And with my husband taking a lot of call this year around Christmas, uh, this definitely made the most sense. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess that's pretty much it. I mean, as you know, like we, we kind of celebrate Hanukkah, so we're working on gifts, but we're not super religious in any respect. So we, we definitely enjoy Christmas traditions that have become very secularized. And I'm sure we'll do some sort of, I think we're doing like a cookie baking thing with friends, so that'll be good but not not too many grand plans. What about you guys? You are kind of grounded, right? Yeah, yeah. At that point, I, I'm pretty much grounded. Um, we're not traveling anywhere, so I can avoid giving birth on the road or on a plane. Um, but because of that, we are planning ahead to do tickets for a lot of local events over the holidays. You know, we got uh, tickets for a Cirque du Soleil thing. We have tickets for a Longwood Gardens Festival lights in the evening. We have, oh, just all kinds of, holiday event tickets. I think my husband may wind up going into New York with the kids to see the Rockettes. Um, but, you know, it's, I think I may also uh, try to get a little ahead on work. We're not going to have childcare over the holidays either, but I think we'll split some of it. Um, my mother-in-law will also be there so she can, she can take an hour or two here or there as well, you know, cause I need to get ahead on some things to prep for Maternity leave, such as it is when you are self-employed. Um, so exciting. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, in a, I'm excited. I like being home on Christmas anyway, because then we don't have to, I mean, we've done Christmas at relatives and you're always like packing so many gifts and figuring out the stocking situation. And Didn't it, we visit you on Christmas? You last did. Year? You did. You came with last Christmas. We were together, Sarah. <laughs> that um, was fun. That was fun. Once we travel again, maybe we can make that happen again. Yeah, well, although I think we may come to Florida after Christmas or something. That sounds like much, much nicer. <laughs> actually, it's not a bad idea. No, yeah. it's a good thing when you live somewhere that people actually want to go to over the holidays, um, which is usually not suburban Pennsylvania. But we appreciated you making the trip. <laughs> well, I'm from there and my parents are there. That's so <laughs> I have many reasons to go to suburban many, Pennsylvania. Many to, to head there. All right. Well, let's let's dive into our interview. So Sarah and I are excited to be here with our first mother-daughter duo, yeah. a, a joint interview with Christy Higgins-Wilcox and Karen Higgins. And so we said a little bit about them in the introduction, but, but Christy and Karen, if you could go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners, that would be great. Well, I'll start. I'm Christy. I am uh, currently a human resources, well, head of human resources at a bank of 900 people. Prior to being an HR, I was the attorney for the same bank that I'm now in HR, and I was also in private practice for a couple years. Before, um, or outside of work rather, I have one kid, Levi. He's five and a husband, Andy. We have a basset hound named Dale and a little dropkick dog named Gwen. So that's kind of my life outside of work. Well, I'm Karen Higgins. I'm a physician and I've been a pediatrician in a smaller town. Grand Island, Nebraska for the last 40 years, and I will very shortly be retiring after that time. I have to not say quitting. Christy, tell me <laughs> if I say quitting, that's not quite right. You're not quitting. You're retiring. It's a, I'm retiring. I'm moving on to something more, something different. Um, but a general pediatrician where I've you know, treated three generations of some families from birth until they go off to college. 
So, you know, I'm, I'm excited about doing this, but also as far as my future, and I think it's going to be a little, because I've always worked. And oh one of the reasons we're talking here, but, um, and not working is really going to throw me for a loop. <laughs> I am quite sure you will find ways to fill your yes, time. Though. I <laughs> I'm, I'm not too concerned about, about that possibility. But uh, as you said, you, you have been working for the past 40 years. And that's <laughs> after college, med school, and residency. And school. So, so those of us that have been through all of this, no. Yeah. And, and Karen, you went to med school <laughs> yeah. in, in the 1970s then, right? And, and there, there were not a whole lot of, I mean, these days it's about half women. And yeah, all. even my med school class in class of 2002 was almost 50-50. So 50-50. But we started then, in 2002. So yeah. what about you? Yeah. That was not the case, right? No, I graduated in 77. So we, there were 18 women in my class was the most it had ever been. That was a class of 150. Wow. And the thing is, is that three years before I started, there were like three women in the class. So, you know, we exponentially increased. So yeah, it was different. Um, I will say the women that were in my class are very dedicated and continue to be very dedicated physicians. Um, although all of us are pretty much at the end of our careers at this point and probably have seen a lot of changes over the years, yeah. the decades. And, and so when you um, began practicing then, you, you had three children, right? Well, I did not have any when I started, because I'll tell you, you did not dare have a child in residency or med school. You know, at that time, it was just not heard of, and the few that did, they did not have a lot of accommodations for pregnant women. So you ended up, you know, maybe even be six months behind your partner, your other residents, before you finished. So yes, I waited, so I was I don't know, I wouldn't say a late mother at the time. I didn't think so, because none of my friends had children, but boy, when going into a smaller town, the first question I got from everybody was, how many children did I have? <laughs> so yeah, it was a real switch going from a large residency program to a small town where they were not used to having any kind of a professional woman working at all. Yeah. And, but you had three children while you were practicing. Then. While I was, I'm sorry. Yes. While I was practicing um, between, you know, between age 30 and 40, I had three children and perfectly, perfectly fine kids, I think. <laughs> well, that's so. true. Christy seems perfectly normal. Um, yeah. and, and, and they are all thriving professionals today. They all are doing very well. Christy, as she introduced herself, she's my attorney. My husband's also an attorney. So attorney and then I have two other children who are physicians. One's a cardiologist that is on staff at the University of Nebraska Medical Center and I have a younger daughter who's just starting her pediatric practice in Placerville, California and kind of learning what it's like to be out there with you know I will say this demanding mothers and so um, it's been kind of fun because she'll call me to ask a question about you know probably nothing really scientific, but just about general, how do you handle this situation type thing. So yeah, it's been fun. And so that's why I probably won't, even though I'll be not working as a, as a physician, so to speak, I will at least have a daughter that's going to be still keeping me up to date on the medical profession, which is fun. Mm -hmm. 
That must be so awesome to be able to talk shop with your kids like that. Um, I know. We went to wine country a couple years ago, and I was sitting in the back, and the two of them are sitting in the front, and they're just talking shop the entire time. I'm like, <laughs> I have nothing to contribute here. But you can talk with your father. because Yes, I can. I can do that. We, we can do talk that shop time to time. Yeah. And, and so, Christy, I, I imagine there, you, you grew up as the daughter of a working mom at a time where that was less common than it is now. Were, were you ever aware that that was less common or just it seems like this is, this is what my family does? So it's very interesting. As I was growing up, I never thought anything of it, especially my mom was the breadwinner too. I mean, she was the one working 50, 60 hours a week, but it was just our normal. It wasn't until I got to college and I had somebody that um, I knew in college who asked me, I can't believe you and your brother and sister turned out so normal when your mom worked. And I, it had never even crossed my mind that the way I was raised was different or there'd be any reason that three of us wouldn't have turned out okay. So um, I didn't think it was different. I also had a great, great father that I think was before his time in a lot of ways. He would cook us dinner every night. Um, he did a lot around the house. So it definitely, you, you and dad definitely showed us a true partnership. Well, his job was so much more flexible. Mm -hmm. And I think if I had married a physician who was determined to work his 50, 60 hours a week, I don't know what I would have done. It would have, yeah. And as it was too, because we had such different jobs, we didn't talk, we did, we did not talk shop when we got home, you know, so it was just, you know, family, family type discussions when we were there. And like Chrissy said, we always said, that's one thing we were always able to have evening dinners together, even if it was eight or nine o'clock. Yes. <laughs> and first, remember you came home from college, went to eat at five thirty, and we were looking at you. What? Yes. <laughs> five thirty. Is that even allowed? <laughs> I think at the sorority house they fed us at five thirty every day. <laughs> I'm a creature of habit. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, that is awesome. We're going to take a quick break for our ad, and we will be back to learn more about what life looked like in the Higgins household. We know you're busy. But is there something that's interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals or enjoying the holidays? BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. Connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. It's so convenient for people who are working and raising families but want to prioritize their mental health. You can get help on your own time and at your own pace. Schedule secure video or phone sessions plus chat and text with your therapist. BetterHelp has licensed professional counselors who specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, anything that might be bothering you. Anything you share is, of course, confidential. And if you're not happy with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time. You can start communicating in under 24 hours. And best of all, it's a truly affordable option. Best of Both Worlds podcast listeners get 10% off your first month with discount code BESTOF. So why not get started today? Go to BetterHelp.com slash BESTOF. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash best of. Well, we are back with Christy Higgins-Wilcox and Karen Higgins, our mother-daughter duo, who is talking about, they're talking about their careers, their parenting strategies, what they've learned from each other. Um, so when we left before the ad break, we were talking about um, what things looked like in the in the Higgins household growing up and learned that uh, Mr. Higgins had a more flexible schedule um, as, as a lawyer. And so, so why don't you guys talk about what strategies you used during this time of, you know, the 
when things were still kind of not that many two career couples, certainly not that many female physicians and raising three children in a small town, what, what strategies did, did you guys use to make it work? Well, I think the main thing that we need to bring up was my daycare provider. We had the same wonderful, wonderful woman, Ruth was with us for 21 years. And if without Ruth, I could not have done it. She's a faithful person, um, loved my children, took, you know, just looked over them. But I think the thing is, Ruth was a quiet person. You know, sometimes I think you can get a, if you want to call it a nanny, home care provider that really can influence your children. And I loved Ruth, but I don't think she was a huge influence on you, (laughs) other than love, you know, she gave you the love. Ruth was great. She would take us to all of our after school activities. She did all your laundry. I mean, one thing when I, when I um, thought of this idea for this podcast, I mean, one thing my mom did a fantastic job, which I think again, kind of ahead of, ahead of her time is you outsource like nobody's business and you made it okay. I mean, we had someone come and clean our house. Ruth did the laundry, you know, my dad cooked. So it was so, such a collaborative effort. It, there was not this role model that you as a woman working this full-time job have to also come home and cook and clean. I don't, I think that's pretty unusual, especially in the eighties and nineties. I think that's very unusual to both of you, or I guess, especially to mom, to Dr. Higgins. So like, how did you, did you, was the mom guilt a thing back then? How were you, how were you able to be immune to that sentiment or were things just more undefined? I was so overwhelmed by everything. I don't think I thought about it. I will say I had a very traditional mother. I mean, the kind of June Cleaver that everybody of the neighborhood came over. She had the cookie. I mean, you name it. She was the ideal and she's, at 95, she's still alive and kind of doing the same thing. But I think what I think was a difference was I really felt with what I was doing, I enjoyed it. It was very fulfilling. And I think I felt like I, and I hope now at the end of this whole career, I think I made a difference in a lot of ways in the town that I was in. And it was, because I'm not that Omaha, I know a lot of people don't think it's that big, but still going from a town of over a million to a town of 40,000, you know, it was a big switch. And um, especially one where your husband grew up in. So the people I associated with it were his friends and they still are, which are good people. But, um, but so I just kind of made it my own way and I just kept going and didn't think, you know, put one foot in front of the other, I guess is what I always did. Right. One thing that mom, you didn't, I don't know if I've ever told you this And to all the listeners out there, I think you should really know it's about the big things, not all the small things. I think sometimes we get so caught up on having the perfect, oh, you know, cookies for, to take into school or being the room mother and all that's great. I'm not saying it's not, but what I remember is my mom being there for those big things, those big events when, you know, my teenage years breaking up with a boyfriend and having her undivided attention. I think as mothers right now, we worry about, at least I do, maybe not everyone does, but worry about not being there for all those little things. And I actually constantly remind myself that that doesn't, it matters, but the big stuff matters more. That's definitely true. And I remember at one time I was making rounds in the pediatric unit and Christy comes in just bawling. So here's, <laughs> you, I don't, I don't like remember. Like to the hospital? Like, <laughs> oh, so I'm just sitting here, you know, see, so, okay, honey, let's go. So, so, I mean, I don't think they knew boundaries. Whether it was a clinic, <laughs> a hospital, house, you know, that's wherever mom is, that's where I'm going. So. Yeah. Well, Christy, I'm curious, what, when you became a mom, like what sort of lessons you took from your own upbringing and, and from your mom that, 
you find yourself now employing in, in your life and, and the way you think about parenting? Well, first I'd say relationship with spouse. I mean, that relationship is so critical. You two had such a true partnership in um, I'm finding my spouse, Andy, he's amazing, but that was very important that we had to have a true partnership. And when we had Levi, Andy takes the mornings, I take the evening shift, and we just have a very, oh, collaborative way that we raise our son. And I was able to pick that up from my parents. Second, just that whole concept that it takes a village. I'm not going to be able to do this by myself. I have wonderful in-laws that live here in the same town I'm in. Also, my parents are an hour and 15 minutes away. I have great friends here in the community that help me too. And I really got that from you, Mom. There's just, there are people, people want to help. People love to be helpful and share, you know, and that's great for my son too, to have so many people that care for him. The other thing I was thinking is just, my mom's amazing at self-care. We talk about it all the time these days, but you always made sleep a priority. Oh, you better <laughs> If I could, I got it. Yes. And um, just little rituals. I mean, you still take a bath every night before you go to bed. And just those little things, seeing them over time, it's important to have whatever feeds you as an individual. And you always made that not seem like a bad thing. So I mean, even now I'm an avid runner and you always exercise as well. And then I love to read and I never feel like those things are selfish, but they're fulfilling. So I'd say those are the things, there's so many more, but those are the things that come top of mind. That is awesome and inspiring. I love that. You know, because I mean, I swear, if I had married, my husband's not that much younger, but a little younger than I am. And I always thought if I married somebody two or three older years older than I was, they're idea of what a woman should do was much different than what my husband thought. Plus, my husband's mother, she never worked, but boy, she was not your typical. <laughs> she was more like Maud, you know, from the, <laughs> from the series, TV series. Um, she just was out there all the time, very dramatic, and again, raised four incredibly dedicated and wonderful children. But I mean, I never felt bad if my house was messy when she yes. came over, let me tell you. <laughs> so, that, yeah, and has that carried on? Do you feel bad if your house is messy, Christy? Oh, I or? feel horrible because my mom's <laughs> house was always, yeah, I mean, Christy says that, but, you know, yeah, it, it still bothers me when things aren't picked up as well as they should be. But, you know, you think, now she says about the cleaning lady, I'll tell you, we might have, but boy, if I came home at, you know, when I came home at seven, you would never have a clue. <laughs> Anybody had cleaned my house, um, but um, yeah. But at least it was better than me doing it. Yeah. The first, first layer of dust was gone. So, well, and 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 Karen, you just mentioned something about how you know your husband being two three years younger versus two three years older. That that there was such a change, and I think a lot of people don't appreciate how quickly the change oh. happened in there. Well, well like, I was thinking of that when I was yeah. when I went to university here in Lincoln. You know, two years before I came, if you were going, if say through Rush, you wore nylons and stocking, well, nylons and gloves. When I started, when I was a freshman, you did not wear bras. You wore the same pair of jeans for a week. And <laughs> you had, two years before me, you had to wear dresses to class. I mean, how in two years, and of course, you had no, no guys would ever, there's curfews, no guys came in. How in two years from 1968 to 1970, there could have been so many changes in the way colleges and women were in colleges just in fact I was never told in high school that I could be a doctor never 
So that you know, the fact that I ended up as one is just kind of a fluky type thing. Well, but how did you know that? Then if, if no one ever said that to you and- Well, actually what happened, I mean, believe it or not, and you don't look at my closet, I started out in fashion merchandising. Oh, really? So Interesting. What do you do? You do home ec, you do teaching, you do nursing. Well, I was not going to be a nurse. Well, that's enough. But anyway, but I went, but before I even started classes, I, even though it was a huge university, they did have us hook up with a counselor, and he looked at my grades from high school, and what I was actually taking, he goes, he just looks up at me, have you ever thought about being a doctor? And that's all it took. Isn't that terrible? The first time anybody in my whole life mentioned maybe this is something, anything. I mean, whether it would have been teaching or nobody ever told me what, you know, to think about what I could do. I had no counseling whatsoever in high school. But, you know, school was just different. I mean, you either failed or you succeeded in high school. There was no kind of middle ground and nobody cared if you failed. And if you're a woman, nobody, you know, thought that you do much of anything. So, yeah, I just took that 15-minute little interview to change my idea. I didn't have to change classes. I already had the classes I needed to, you know, to be pre-med, so. That is such a fascinating perspective that I guess until you said that, I don't think I realized how quickly things changed and how I've taken, you oh. know, I've taken it for granted that, like, you know, you go to school and you can do whatever you want, and that really wasn't reality. Oh, so that sort of gives me a little bit more hope, like, you know, what are the next 20, 30 years yes. going to bring? Because, wow, that is amazing. Well, it's just weird even me being her daughter hearing that because I always felt like I could do anything. And it's not because I was a woman, it's because I was a person. So um, yeah, how that changed in that little amount of time is amazing. Well, and then, you know, let's say the women in my sorority two years older than I was, you know, they were all engaged by the time they graduated from college. And by my year, you know, there were plenty that got married that, you know, the June, how are there always the June weddings? But there are plenty of us too that, you know, waited for another five to 10 years. But I got married at 28, and I thought I was old getting married. <laughs> so you, um, when you and uh, your husband uh, got together, did you have conversations about this sort of explicitly, like what you wanted your life to look like, what your career plans were? I'm, I'm, given how much, you know, extra, the, the perceptions of what was normal at the time, did you have to consciously push against that? I'm, I'm very curious how you two navigated that at the beginning. You know how you have a couple that doesn't look into the future? We never looked into the future. <laughs> like I said, we took one day at a time. I mean, he knew because when we met, I was, you know, had just been accepted to medical school. And I never thought, because he was down here in Lincoln doing, you know, law, going to law school. I was in Omaha going to medical school. And I just never thought it would last. Well, it did. So <laughs> I figured if it lasted, you know, that way. No, and he knew, I mean, obviously he went through residences when I did. So I think he accepted the hours he knew I was going to work, which I think, I mean, I think that would be a lot of problems a lot of men would have is that, you know, their wives weren't there in the evening. I mean, he still doesn't care for it. He, even at this stage, he still wonders why I can't get home at a decent time. But, you know, he's never really balked about it either. That's Good to good to know. <laughs> well, Christy, one of the things we talked about earlier when, when I talked to you guys before this is that, you know, most of your friends are, of course, working moms now because that's more than norm, but many of them don't have a role model. And I wonder if you, what are some of the conversations you have with them as they're like now figuring this out for the first time themselves because they didn't have mothers who modeled that. I wonder what some of those conversations are, are like for you. 
I think there's a lot of uncertainty or am I doing the right thing? Am I making the right choices? Especially a lot of my friends are in professional type careers and I try to remind them, you know, this was my upbringing and this is everything turned out okay. And I'm not perfect about this. I get cut up in minutia that it doesn't matter as well, but just remind them about the bigger picture and all those things. But it's a constant dialogue, I'd say, amongst my friends and myself. What, you know, and the thing is too, we have so many more options these days than when my mom was working. You can't, like Sarah, like what you're doing now, you know, working 80, 90% or going back to go, you know, taking some time off and going back. I mean, when you were um, starting your practice, those weren't options. So I think in some ways that's amazing, but then it almost makes the landscape more complicated because it's like, do I work full time? Do I work 80, 90%? All of those things. So, um, yeah, it's a constant conversation amongst my friends and myself. Well, one thing, I, it was just kind of interesting. When I, I had to go where I was going to go because my husband was already practicing law when I was finishing my residency, so I knew I was going to go to Grand Island, Nebraska to practice. And I'd done quite a bit of work out there because you know, I was able to do my community service out there and some other things. And so they knew I was coming out there and to be a pediatrician. And even though they more or less told me they didn't want me. I mean, they had, a, it was apparently, there was quite an argument about whether to have me on. And I know it was because they just figured I wasn't going to practice that long or do my job. And of course, I'm the last man standing. <laughs> so, um, and I, in, a, in fact, and then I do, did have, and even though there were only two of us as physicians in the town, you know, as women physicians, or like 10 years after I started in this town, the one other one was my partner, a very good friend. And without telling her, they thought, well, maybe we could ask Aggie if she wants to go halftime and then you could go halftime without even talking to her about it. And she was not too happy about that. So I think, and actually, I have to say, having Aggie probably helped mm -hmm. too, because um, she also had four very, very talented children and you know, worked hard. And her husband was an OB, so it was particularly hard in their household, although her mother did come to live with them. But I think the fact that she was so dedicated actually was a my I didn't even thought of that yeah. and he was probably my role model because mm -hmm. she'd been there about two years before I started and so that she did make it easier that way now I have to say we kind of were in two different if I can say crowds so um so socially we had a very different very different things that we did but professionally I would not have thought that town was big enough to have two different crowds for Oh, now, come on. <laughs> there was the, there's always that country club crowd. I'll have to tell you that. And, you know, and I was part of that country club crowd that I don't think country club women were expected to work. Yeah. That's uh, oh, very got different. It. Very different. Well, this has been fascinating. So we always end with what we call our love of the week, which is something that's just ex exciting for us at the moment. Um, it can be related to what we've talked about. It can be totally different. I'm going to go ahead and throw out there that my current love of the week is our family's matching pajamas. So I elected to get on board the Instagram bandwagon and purchase pajamas for the holidays for every family member so we can take that cute holiday <laughs> photo. <laughs> on the hearth, right? At on the, the fireplace? Hearth with all of us wearing our our matching pajamas. And yeah, I'm quite sure one of my children will have to be dragged kicking and screaming into doing this, but so it goes. <laughs> Sarah, how about you? What do you, what do you have for us this week? Just a shout out to excellent babysitters because they are really not that easy to find. And 
my advice to all listeners is that if you do find one that is excellent, you should do everything you can to hang on to them, including since this is the holiday season, give them a really nice gift. <laughs> totally. Uh, we, you guys hung on, to, hung on to yours for 21 years, which is, which is pretty impressive. Um, so what, what, what about you guys? What's your love of the week? Well, as we're taping this, it's November, and my five-year-old son and I are doing something. Each day, we are saying what we are thankful for, and I'm writing it down. It's been super funny and fun. Just, I mean, one day, he was thankful for the trampoline park, but my hope is to do it year after year, and just when he's 15 or 16, show him what he was thankful for when he was five. I love that. That's great. Karen, you got one for us? Me cleaning out Christie's bedroom after 20 years is what you're talking about. <laughs> I did, actually, I did that last weekend. And I have some stuff in the back of the car, honey. <laughs> I try to try to give you. Um, actually, I don't know. I I do love reading, and I never. That is the one thing I did not do when my kids were little. And there are certain series that I like, and I don't know. Michael Connelly writes about. Um, Harry Bosch. I don't know if you know. Anyway, he just had a new book out last week, and I'm about a third of the way through it, so I'm going to finish it. That's so, awesome. That's not intellectual, so but it does get me easing into, into retirement. You know, you'll have yeah. lots of time, hopefully, for for reading the whole library of stuff you didn't yeah. get to before. So that sounds great. Well, thank you two so much for coming on the program. It's been a delight to talk with you. Thank you so much. No, oh, thank, thank you. you. This has been fun. Well, that was great. Um, I think we can segue to our question, which I thought was a great one that came through my blog. This comes from reader Erica, who, uh, for background, has two children around age two and eight at this point. All right. I have a question, maybe for best of both worlds, about how you handle afternoons with a napper. My toddler naps until about 3.30. By that time, he has a new diaper and a snack and is ready. To, and by the time we're ready to leave the house, it's at least four, often closer to 4.30. That gives us about one and a half or two hours. We can be out before dinner, bath, and bed. And over the summer, we typically go to the playground or do other outdoor activities. But now, it's pitch dark at 4.45, so at best, we can spend half an hour playing. Other destinations, like museums, typically close at five, and this isn't a good time for running errands since the grocery store is mobbed with harried commuters. Agree with that. I found that very often we just end up staying home, which is fine for about an hour, but around five, my kid starts bouncing off the walls and by then it's already dark. So what do you do? Enforce an earlier nap wake up and brisk departure to an activity? Meander out for a sunset walk at 4.30? Stay inside and practice meditation while your kid unravels every roll of toilet paper in the house? I like that. (laughs) What do you do? Yeah. Well, I was was a little confused on this. So so she's talking about during the workday. So this is somebody who would be I guess, home with the kids during the day. So they- No, no. I think she's talking about um, the weekends. This okay. she, she worked full time. She's talking about like how when you go to the grocery store on Sunday, I guess she says harried commuters. I think she means that by like the people who work are all like going crazy. I don't know why she said commuters, but you're yeah, right. I, I think she's speaking that. about... Because we're talking, talking about, like, about weekend days with, with kids here. Um, I mean, oh, the, the same thing applies. I mean, if you're home with little kids, yes, you still have that post-nap spot during the workday to deal with. And True. you, know, you uh, might be inconvenient to be out with the hairy commuters. I totally get that. Um, yeah, so you had some good answers. Yeah, so um, my vote was for, yeah. Her first suggestion was, do you like just jump out of the house after the nap? That's kind of what we do. And I can be a little forceful about it. And I kind of get the big kids ready. So it's like, okay, when Genevieve is up, we're going to like literally take 10 minutes and you can eat your, she can eat a snack in the car. Like I'll give her a pouch in the car. 
especially if it is on the later side. And I know that that's kind of our only chance to do something. Um, the other thing is, you know, you may want to think about moving nap a little earlier if you can. I find that actually benefits night sleep a little bit, not to have the nap be too late, especially on weekends, because you can end up like really busy in the morning and then the nap starts and ends really late and then bedtime is like a disaster. So I, I'm all about a little bit earlier nap or shorter nap. Yeah. <laughs> it depends on the kid. I've had some kids that if you, you know, wake them mid-nap, it's like the world's biggest mistake and it's just not even worth it. Genevieve is actually not too terrible when you interrupt a nap. So, you know, that that your mileage may vary depending on the kid. Um, my other things are to look for the few places that are open later. I mean, we have one fantastic kids museum that's open till six on Sundays and you can better bet we are members. Planning play date dinners or other social events for Sunday night. Uh, in Miami Beach, once we kind of had a nice social network going, we did a lot of this. We haven't built up as strong yet here, but it is kind of a nice way to cap your weekend. And even if you're in the house, the kids don't generally go crazy in the house when they have friends there. It's a little, it's a different vibe. And then finally, you can always enact the nuclear option. No, I'm just kidding. It's not the nuclear option. Not but, the nuclear um, option. It's like the daily option. <laughs> um, screen, screen time is okay. The winter seems like a very appropriate time for screen time. Make your mornings super active so that, you know, when I often let the big kids do some kind of screen time while Genevieve naps, and then when she gets up, she can watch what she wants, and then they have to do something that's like inside, but I try to get them off the screen. So I'll be like, okay, you did two hours of iPad, so now it's time for you to play Legos or draw or something, and she can watch Pinkalicious. And then by doing that, I've kind of engineered myself like, you know, four hours of fairly quiet time. I'm not saying this works all the time. And I think it, it would probably get old. Um, but on those nights when you just, you know, it's dragged late or you've been active and you're tired, it is a fantastic option. Yeah. And, you know, some other readers responded to this, right? That uh, you got you got some comments from other people who are answering that same question. Um, yes, yeah, someone mentioned going to McDonald's for a play space that that was a great success and very cheap. That's a very good point because they don't have like early closure hours. And then somebody else just sort of gave empathy, but did suggest that the library is a destination that can be open late a couple of nights a week, depending on your location. What about you guys? What do you yeah, tend or, to do? Or a bookstore. I mean, a book, bookstores have commercial oh, hours, right? So they're not going to so close that at five o'clock either. Um, Especially so like a big chain bookstore, like a local a one might, but a big store. chain is going to Barnes and Nobles probably. Your, your Barnes and Nobles open. got the train table and it's open. So <laughs> just head on over. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I sympathize with this too. And this is you know definitely something we're going to be dealing with when we have a little one in addition to having our big kids too. You know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of checking for later hours on certain museums or play places, you know, get outside for a 30 minute walk. It's, it's totally fine. I, you know, push that you're out the door by three fifty or whatever, go for a 30 minute walk or go to a playground. Um, if the playground has like, you know, lights, um, which some do, uh, you know, the like baseball field type lights or whatever, if it's by one of those, then great. You know, you could stay there while it's dark. You know, you can come back to your house and if, if play in the backyard in the cold. I mean, it's it's okay to to do something like that. And you know, you could also try doing later stuff. I mean, you can bust the evening, you know, dinner, bath, bed routine if you want. Sometimes you like go out to dinner somewhere. I mean, with a toddler, it's not going to be fancy, but you could go to like a diner or something like that. We're a big and, fan of that as well. Like the or like a pub, yeah. you know, where it's like, okay, there's enough for them to do. Everyone's noisy anyway. So it doesn't matter. You get to matter. drink a beer. It's it's good. <laughs> it's good. It's good. And you know, you can also divide and conquer on this too. I mean, if if 
one parent can take other bigger kids, because this sounds like this family has bigger kids too. You know, one can take the big kids out to do something and or the little one out to, you know, it, it, it doesn't have to all be on you either. Like it's not, not automatically mom's job to figure out the post-nap activity every day. Well, the all good right, news well, is, is, oh, I was going to say, I know this person and I'm sure it's a collaborative effort. She's probably good. asking Excellent. for both of them. <laughs> okay. Um, well, this has been best of both worlds. Uh, we've been doing our interview with the Higgins ladies about their life. And we will be back next week with more on making work and life fit together. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.